Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. This week, we are going to cover Joe Biden and transgenderism, the extinction burst temper tantrums of the branch COVIDians as they seethe at the world returning to normal. We're going to take a quick peek at one of the most lucrative social identities available right now that pays the best, and that is being a black narcissist. And at the end of the show, we have got a segment that you cannot miss and get a notebook uh, during one of our breaks. Make sure you have something to take notes with, because I'm going to show you a video of some of the one of the best examples I've ever seen of narcissistic cluster B behavior in public uh, that also brings in the dynamics of a couple who are enmeshed in a narcissistic dynamic. We're going to watch a woman get thrown off a plane for being a complete bitch, but I'm going to demystify it for you and point out exactly what she's doing and why she's doing it. So stick around for the whole thing. Oh, and also, if you're watching us on YouTube now, will you do me a favor? Hit that like button and hit that subscribe button. Thank you. So let us go first to the White House. Kevin, can we roll our president, Mr. Joe Biden? To everyone celebrating Transgender Day of Visibility, I want you to know that your president sees you. Jill, Kamala, Doug, our entire administration sees you for who you are, made in the image of God and deserving of dignity, respect, and support. But we know it's hard when there are those out there who don't see you and don't respect you. For example, the onslaught of anti-transgender state laws attacking you and your families is simply wrong. This administration is standing up for you against all these hateful bills. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom, on the playing field, at work, in our military, in our housing and healthcare systems, everywhere, simply everywhere. Today, we're announcing even more steps, but there's always more work to do to end the epidemic of violence against transgender women of color and girls of color, to ensure transgender seniors can age with dignity, dignity, and to finally pass a bipartisan Equality Act to help transgender persons around the world live free from discrimination and violence. Above all, to be there with you. To parents of transgender children, affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe and healthy. To any transgender American who's struggling, please know that you're not alone. To parents and children alike, please ask for help and know this. You're so brave. You belong. And we have your back. God bless you all. Be brave. What the hell is this? What is this? You're so brave. You're so... What? No. First of all, I'm... <clears throat> this man is an animated corpse, and I'm not saying that to be cruel or get points for having a dig at Joe Biden. He can't even speak in this without slurring his words. It's not a... It's, he doesn't have... He hasn't always had a stutter. It's not a stutter... It's not a speech impediment. It's the slurring that comes from dementia. What is this? I don't know, but it was clearly written by a 24-year-old woman named Taylor because it's basically a pop psych little therapy moment on a virtual couch. 
you're so brave. We've got your back. You have dignity. And and all these bills attacking you, we see you. Other people don't see you and respect you. You hear the language, right? I feel seen. I need to be seen. I need representation. He's feeding it all back to them. Why? For Transgender Day of Visibility, my kingdom for one bloody day of transgender silence. How many goddamn holidays like this do we have to have? I was listening to the Matt Walsh show this week, and he counted. There were a couple, there are literally a couple of dozen trans LGBTQ queer esque days of thing throughout the calendar year. June in the United States, we used to have Pride Day, Lesbian and Gay Pride Day. That's what it was called. Then it became a week. Then it became LGBTQ Pride Month. In the UK, it's practically a season. Even the most, even the estimates of the number of people who are, quote, trans in this country that try to be reasonable, peg it at 1% or less than 1%, I think that is still orders of magnitude higher than it actually is. But let's just assume that it's as high as 1%, which it isn't. Why does the president go on television like this and make a video like this for the teeny tiny portion of the population? Well, you could say, well, because they're the most oppressed. No, they're not. There is no country on the face of the earth that has more personal freedom for how you dress, where you work, the way you comport yourself than the United States of America. This is the freest place on the face of the earth. And the the really disgusting thing about this, the worst part of this that gets, you can see I'm getting angry right now. The thing about transgender children Affirming your child's transgender identity is one of the best ways to keep your children healthy and safe. This is evil. This is a complete reversal. This is Isaiah 520. You know, woe unto him who calls darkness light and substitutes bitter for sweet. I didn't get it exactly uh, quoted right, but that's what this is. This is a complete reversal. One of the best ways to keep your children healthy and safe is to lie to them and tell them they are, in fact, the opposite sex. One of the best ways to keep your children healthy and safe is to put them on drugs like Lupron, which are called puberty blockers and which are also used in what we call chemical castration for pedophiles, Um, approved, FDA approved to treat cancer, not for long-term use. (coughs) Excuse me. One of the best ways to keep your children healthy and safe is then to affirm them by going on from puberty blockers to cross-sex hormones, estrogen for boys, testosterone for girls, which leaves them sterile. That means one of the best ways to keep your children healthy and safe, lie, poison them, sterilize them permanently. It's not temporary. There's no such thing as temporary sterility. These are the best ways to keep your children healthy and safe. Sterilizing them, indulging their psychological problems, abusing them, lying to them, taking away their ability to choose to have children, 
and putting them on a chemical regime which is likely to shorten their life by decades through things like early osteoporosis, cardiovascular disease, and stroke. Have you had enough yet? Have you seen enough yet to start screaming no? And if there are any of you who are listening to me who are still Democrats, is this enough? If this is not enough, what in God's name would be enough to motivate you? This is a crisis. This is outrageous. It is one of the most evil things I have ever seen. They're coming for your children with the seal of approval of President Biden. Well, that was just the video package. Would you like to know what the policy is going to look like? <coughs> Letter from the Justice Department went out this week to all state attorneys general. You can see a picture of it here. I know that you can't read it on the screen. We didn't intend for you to be able to read it. I pulled out some excerpts. This is part of a naked political push to stop states from stopping the abuse of children and to encourage it and to threaten states that don't allow this kind of abuse of minors and don't allow girls to be threatened with boys and men in their locker rooms and on their swimming teams. This is a threat to those states. Let's take a look at a couple of the paragraphs. Number one, dear state attorneys general, the U.S. Department of Justice, the department, is committed to ensuring that transgender youth, like all youth, are treated fairly with dignity in accordance with federal law. This includes ensuring that such youth are not subjected to unlawful discrimination based on their gender identity, including when seeking gender-affirming care. We write to remind you of several important federal constitutional and statutory obligations that flow from these fundamental principles. This is warning. This letter is a threat and a warning. And they're setting it up to lie and pull a reversal on you about what the Constitution means what federal law actually means, and even the definition of plain and uncontroversial words. <coughs> Pardon me, folks. Spring is coming along, which means springtime allergies. Next one. Quote, intentionally erecting discriminatory barriers to prevent individuals from receiving gender-affirming care implicates a number of federal legal guarantees. State laws and policies that prevent parents or guardians from following the advice of a healthcare professional regarding what may be medically necessary or otherwise appropriate care for transgender minors may infringe on rights protected by both the Equal Protection and Due Process Clauses of the 14th Amendment. <clears throat> medically necessary. Transgender minors. There's no such thing. There is no such thing as a transgender child. There are only confused and abused children, period. It doesn't exist. It's not real. Do you know why it's not real? Because there's no such thing as a transgender adult either. There are people who get surgeries. There are people who change their names. There are, peop there are men who swish by in high heels. There are women who stomp by in Birkenstocks or military boots. And they may call themselves transgender, but there is no 
literal, real state of being born in the wrong body and being actually the opposite sex. It's not real. It's one thing to indulge this kind of instability and self-harm in adults. It is entirely another to inflict it on children. State laws that prevent parents from following the advice of anyone who recommends, following the advice of a healthcare professional regarding what may be medically necessary. Which healthcare professionals? Some nurse, a doctor, an orderly, a licensed mental health counselor? So as long as they say that a barbaric procedure that poisons a child or maims them may be medically necessary, we can't stand in the way of parents just following their advice? Really? It's inappropriate for the law to do that? Is that so? Because that's intruding on the parent-child relationship? What about all of the state departments of child welfare that are interfering with the rights of parents to raise their children as they see fit by taking custody away from the parent who wants to keep the child intact and whole and giving it to the parent who wants to castrate the child? Double standard? We have laws that prevent parents right now today, and always have, that prevent parents from following the advice of anyone who recommends that a child be given liquor, methamphetamine, cigarettes, tattoos, the list goes on. Why is this different? There are all sorts of abusive practices against children that are against the law, regardless of whether a parent likes doing them. And regardless of whether they're colluding with a doctor who thinks that that sort of abuse is lovely, it is still against the law. Why is this, this, the most egregious form of child abuse that any of us have ever seen? This is Mengele-level stuff. This is the most egregious example of child abuse most of us have ever seen. And they want laws to prevent people from stopping this abuse. This is the Justice Department. Notice the offloading of responsibility onto experts. If a healthcare professional says it's necessary, then you can't question it. A doctor said. Oh, like the Planned Parenthood doctors and nurses who give out prescriptions for testosterone on the first appointment to young women, and they do it all over the place, all over the country. <laughs> if a doctor says genital mutilation may be medically necessary for your child, no state law will stand in their way. While at the same time, we've got campaigns going on in various states to outlaw what's called female genital mutilation, religious or cultural practices from the Middle East that cut off the clitoris and sew up the vagina. That's never medically necessary. We're outraged when we see that. This is female and male genital mutilation. That's what transing these children is when they get to that stage. Why is that different? <laughs> I can't believe the world I'm living in. And meanwhile, while all this shit is going on, 
Let me show you a tweet from activist Lenore Skenazi. She founded an organization called Free Range Kids. She is an activist for allowing children autonomy and independence, reasonable autonomy and independence, being able to walk to school, being able to take the bus in a city without the parents being prosecuted for neglect, basically the way children of my generation and earlier were raised. So in the middle of all this, Lenore Skenazi posts this in a tweet. Tomorrow I will testify in a trial. Here's the case. Mom let son seven years old, play in a park where mom's friend was teaching yoga while she, mom, bought a Thanksgiving turkey. Mom will be put on the child abuse registry if we lose. And if we do, so does everyone. So mother who leaves her children in a park along with another mom who's keeping an eye on everybody is going to court being charged with child abuse and being put on a registry for go popping into the store to buy a Thanksgiving turkey. And yet we have the Justice Department telling states that the Justice Department is going to go after them if these sta states try to stop mom and dad from putting nine-year-old Lacey on Lupron. What the fuck is wrong with our country? Have you had enough yet? Has Have any of these examples motivated you yet to speak out publicly? If not, ask yourself why not, and ask yourself how much further it has to go. We need you. People like me who do this publicly, I need you. We all need you to say no. Say no at your Democratic committee meetings. Say no on social media. Say no at the school board meeting. Say no to the Justice Department. Start speaking up. Please join me. Please join me. <sighs> A little bit more. This this is really disgusting. This is, again, from the Justice Department letter. Quote, Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973 protects people with disabilities, which can include individuals who experience gender dysphoria. Restrictions that prevent, limit, or interfere with otherwise qualified individuals' access to care due to their gender dysphoria, gender dysphoria diagnosis, or perception of gender dysphoria may violate Section 504. So, there we go. Gender dysphoria is now a disability. And what is gender dysphoria? To put it in plain English, it's gender unhappiness. And why do we call it gender unhappiness? Because we didn't like the earlier term, which was um, gender identity disorder. And that sounds judgmental. And it sounds like you're saying it's abnormal. So it's gender dysphoria. but And it's not a disorder. It's not disorder. It's a natural variation, even though it's still listed in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And it's a disability. It's totally a disability. It's like alopecia. It's a disability. <laughs> so preventing people who have gender dysphoria or are perceived to have gender dysphoria, the state of being perceived to have gender dysphoria is itself a disability. Don't prevent them from accessing care. Madness. Absolute bloody madness coming up on a break, but I want to remind you, please subscribe to us on audio as well, because we've got three audio episodes that you won't get on Rumble, Odyssey, or YouTube. They are only on your podcast platform, iHeartRadio, 
iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get it. We'll see you after the break. You know how podcasters are always asking you to hit the subscribe button? Well, this is us asking you to take a minute right now and be sure you've hit subscribe on your favorite video platform. Click that notification bell too so you never miss our newest content. And don't forget to subscribe on audio too. We have audio only content that you won't find on any video platform, so don't miss out. Do you like Disaffected? Do you like it enough to help pay for it? We'd love to have your support to grow and maintain this show. Donors get special access to our monthly Zoom Hangouts. They're off-camera and unscripted. We talk about what you want to talk about. There are two ways to join. Patreon users can go to patreon.com slash disaffected or visit subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Twitter didn't like our old account, so we made a new one. Follow at disaffected P, that's disaffected and the letter P, for show announcements and links. If you want our sass and snark, come see us on Getter at Disaffected Pod. Welcome back. Take a minute, would you please, and share our show on social media. We need more word of mouth, please. And if you're a little bit scared about doing that, show it to a friend, send it to them in a private message, share it with just one other person. Thank you. We appreciate it. I also want to do another quick plug for an event that I'm going to be at on April 23rd in Fort Worth. This is the Better Discourse event. To find out about it and to get your tickets, go to betterdiscourseevent.com. This is a place where we're going to talk about cultural issues without fear of being canceled, and people are going to disagree with each other civilly. And I am on a panel with people who are far more well-known than me, like Blair White, Carrie Smith, um, some other people you're going to get at this conference, James Lindsay, Nikki Klein, um, basically everybody there is more famous than me, but I'm going to be on a panel about the question, can you be born in the wrong body? So I would love to see you there. I want to put a few things in your head. I want to put some thoughts in your head, and I'm going to use uh, a Twitter follower named Adam B. Coleman to do so. He's a really good follower. He's a commentator and an author. And Adam asks us to contemplate the following. The first one here. He says, if the teaching of sexuality and gender ideology in schools was a male majority-led initiative, I think more people would have questions about the motivations behind it. And what does he mean? Well, you may have seen the hysteria about this uh, House Bill 1557 in Florida, which is a parental rights bill and which also prohibits instructing kindergartners through third graders in sexuality or gender identity. The word gay, the word straight, hetero, or homosexual do not appear anywhere in this. This is not a don't say gay bill. It is a you may not teach children from the ages of five to eight about sexuality bill and you, public schools, may not hide from parents a child who is having difficulties or is confused about their gender. So this bill is actually absolutely nothing like what you've heard. But you've got teachers all over TikTok, all over social media, acting like children and saying, I won't be able to share my weekend activities with my husband or my queer family with my kiddos. The hell is wrong with these people? 
Why is this a topic for classroom discussion? When I was in school, you barely even knew if teachers were married. When you saw them out in public, you didn't understand because you thought they lived at school. Boundaries, please. More from Adam. Imagine if schools were made up of mostly men in teacher and administrator roles who were excited to talk to your kids about the pleasures of sex or how we should talk about sexuality to keep you safe. Sounds a bit weird, huh? It does, doesn't it? Next one. Men and women are treated differently based on their relationship to children. Women are always given the initial benefit of caring for the children. Men are, are seen as, I think he means are seen skeptically when it comes to their interactions with children. Next one. I can't help but notice how this mostly female-led movement to introduce sexuality earlier and earlier to children is defended as being caring. But if it were mostly men who wanted to do the same thing, you would find it creepy and weird. And he's right. Think about it for yourself. Notice your, as you think about this right now as you're watching or listening, take note of your own emotions. Because there's probably a conflict between your gut intuition, your emotional intuition, and, and, and your logical and rational mind. All of us see women as safer with children. We are more skeptical of men hanging around children. There are reasons for this. But those reasons can mislead us and they can blind us if we apply them indiscriminately. And whenever, I've talked about it many times, whenever we make a sacred cast, a group of people who have a cultural halo around their head, this, this opens up an opportunity for predators who will wear that disguise or be that kind of person, and they know that you can't see them as predators because you have already decided, and mostly emotionally, you've decided they can't be. We've decided that women can't be predators, can't be sexual predators. So what do we have now? I, I'm not saying that any of these teachers are actual sexual predators. I'm not saying that they are physically molesting kids and touching their genitals or forcing them uh, to touch the genitals of the teachers. Genitals, excuse me. We do know that some of that goes on. I'm not making a particular claim here. Even if all these female teachers, and it is female teachers doing this, and female administrators, yes, yes, like you, yes, I see the men too. I do. Majority female, though. And you know that's true. Because you can see the same things that I can see. Even if these female teachers are not actually sexually molesting the children, this is grooming, grooming in a sexual way. It is priming the pump. It is sexualizing children early. And when you sexualize children early, you make them much more vulnerable to predation by actual kitty fiddlers and rapists. So in a way, I see this as analogous to the perverted partnership that often occurs in a male and female couple when mom's boyfriend or mom's husband is a pedophile and mommy offers up one of her kids or sets no boundaries in the house about sexual talk and sexual behavior. 
and or turns a blind eye, as many of these fucked up women do when their fucked up husbands and boyfriends start diddling their daughters and sons. It's a cooperative enterprise. They don't have to touch the kids' genitals. They can just soften their minds up for predators. I used to believe, until pretty recently, that, well, this is a male crime. Predation against children is a male crime. I'm not so sure I believe it anymore. And I'm not sure if I believe the received wisdom that everyone keeps telling us. This is men. This is men. It's almost never women. And when it's women, it's because she was with a bad man who made her do it. That's what the feminists say. I don't know if I trust the research. I don't know if I trust the stats because I've seen enough lying about COVID, about sexual abuse, about the breakdown of bias and favor in family courts and custody cases. It really does look like it's biased against men. It really does look like a lot of mothers who are unfit get custody of their children simply by virtue of their sex. I don't know if I believe the statistical claims anymore that there are almost no female sexual child predators. I'll be looking into the I'll be looking into what there is in the research, but after what I've seen over the past few years, I have never seen so many women who want to talk to children about dildos, masturbation, sex changes, sex toys. Ugh. You see it. I know you do. (laughs) Let's get off that topic because we'll come back to it many times on this show. Let's talk about the extinction burst, the revenge of the COVIDians. The world seems to be going back to normal, at least in terms of COVID stuff, and at least what I can see where I am. And... This is not going over well with the hardcore of people who don't want COVID to end. And my speculation is we encouraged culturally and authority figures and experts like Anthony Fauci, Lena Wen, Rochelle Walensky at the CDC, um, mayors across the country. We encouraged actual clinical levels of hypochondria. Okay, We encouraged it. We saw these symptoms breaking out in people who are ordinarily more stable, but there is a hardcore of people who have, oh, they like, we have a new euphemism for it. They have have health anxiety. What's health anxiety? Oh, we say that because we don't like the word hypochondria because it sounds clinical and judgmental. There are people who suffer from hypochondria. They have been validated. Their delusional response to non-existent or minimal risk and threat has been normalized and encouraged as a virtuous habit of self-mental hygiene. What do we expect? Did we think these people were just going to go away? (laughs) No. Here's one. (laughs) Let's take a look at Dr. James Smith of York University in Canada. So 
On your screen, you will see a picture of this man in Home Depot wearing a respirator, the kind of mask, not, not just a mask, a respirator, the kind that you see painters using to keep out turpentine fumes. This is what he's wearing. He looks it looks like a like a modern version of a gas mask from World War 1. Here's what he says. The trolls are out in force. Today I went to Home Depot and wore another respirator. The two employees who helped me cut a blind thanked me for wearing this mask and protecting them. No they didn't. You're lying. And he says John K and the others can stuff it. COVID is not, hashtag COVID is not over. He's angry at a Canadian columnist named Jonathan Kay, uh, who isn't taking COVID seriously enough. COVID is not over. Those two employees did not thank you for wearing that respirator. You're a liar. What's your name again? Because I can't tell you apart from any of the hundreds of thousands of other people who are just like you. Dr. James Smith. Dr. James Smith, you're a liar. That never happened. You know it didn't happen. How many other things do you lie about? Do you lie at work this much? you lie to your students? Oh, and if you're curious, please don't say that's parody. It's not. I checked. Yes, he really is a professor of engineering at York University. Yes, this really is his Twitter account. Yes, it appears that he's serious. I did go through his Twitter account and look at his other tweets. This is not a joke. It's not a poll. It's real. One more from him. <laughs> Put him on the screen, Kevin, please. <laughs> Shopping. It's a picture of him in the produce section <laughs> right next to a sign that says fruits and vegetables. I wanted to just cross out the vegetables. Um <laughs> he says, and he's got that respirator on again. Shopping this morning. Most most customers and employees were maskless. Oh, for goodness sake. Oh, Kevin's telling Oh <laughs> I'm sorry, Kevin's telling me this is a different respirator. He's got a collection. Is it? Yeah, let's let me look at the other one. Oh, it is different. I, I just, sorry, Kevin, I couldn't tell the difference because he looks like just as much of a freak in each picture. <laughs> oh, my God, get away from me. Um, and then we've got the devouring mother, which we're seeing a lot of. The smothering, devouring mother, which is coming out in our female politicians like Governor Kate Brown of Oregon, Uh Jacinda Ardern, Prime Minister of New Zealand, all the, they're going to mommy you to death and protect you and make sure everything is safe. They don't really have genuine maternal feelings for you, of course. This is about posing as a protective mother in order to get narcissistic gratification, to, to be seen as a martyr. Great one. This is from Dr. Risa Hashino, MD. And if you can't see it, she's got that profile picture. It's I'll do I'll do it for the camera. Head tilt, perfect makeup, stethoscope, um, lab coat, white coat. <laughs> Please. So she says this. The sheer number of people who have told me that they will not, quote, 
sacrifice their lives anymore by not wearing a mask. And it's it's the emoji of the mask. Smiley emoji mask emoji. Who will not sacrifice their lives anymore by not wearing a mask to protect vulnerable people indoors is getting me depressed. I am one of those vulnerable people. (laughs) Here it comes. You ready for the guilt? I can't save your life as an MD if I get COVID and die or get long COVID. (laughs) When I was reading this, I heard... I heard the uh, voiceover actress, this wonderful woman we hired for our audio show who does the promos and breaks in between. Have you heard her? If not, she is absolutely a scream. And and she does the mommy voice when she uh, begs you for money because we're worth it. And she says, you wouldn't want mommy to starve, would you? (laughs) I can't save your life if I get COVID and die or get long COVID or something. (laughs) This is a good example of fragile or vulnerable narcissism. It's not the kind that is overtly braggadocious, if you will. I mean, it's bragging, but it's done in a particular way. It's a, look what I'm doing for you. I care so much, and I'm, I hurt so much by how much you don't care back at me. It's absolutely narcissistic. It's just as narcissistic as the dude who's constantly flexing his biceps and pointing to the fact that he's got a brand new sports car. It's just done in a covert and sort of fragile and cuddly way. Next one from the same woman. She says, a nine-year-old patient told her, sorry, doc, I lost my train of thought again. A nine-year-old said that? She used to be a completely healthy A-plus student and star athlete, but she's got long COVID and she's now struggling in school, cannot walk upstairs, and has constant fatigue and palpitations. Please, emoji mask and emoji vaccine syringe for you and for her. Okay. Dr. Hoshino, you are a liar as well. No nine-year-old said, sorry, doc, I lost my train of thought again. And if you've got this patient and you just didn't make her up, she's not having a trouble walking upstairs because she got long COVID. She got from COVID. She's got some sort of comorbidity. If she got COVID at all, the only way it's going to compromise a nine-year-old to that degree is if she's got an underlying disorder, perhaps a respiratory disorder, perhaps something else. Please put on your mask and vaccinate for you and her. Fuck you. One more from Dr. Hashino. This is my favorite one. (laughs) This one gets the voice. Something tells me I'll be burnt out for a very long time. Cheers to being exhausted at work forever because people say COVID is over and will prolong this pandemic so they can, quote, live their lives. My time to live my life may never come though because quote I signed up for this okay back to work (laughs) if I didn't know better I'd say she were a graduate of the Mrs. Slocum's finishing school for unstable women she's at least matriculated (laughs) I just look at this and I was like hi mom Pity party for the martyr. My time to live my life may never come because I 
signed up for this. You did sign up for this. You did sign up for this by becoming a doctor. Sick people are your job. You chose this. <laughs> what? Uh, it, 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 it's, it's amazing. It's... And I, I know I know it's a drinking game for some of you guys every time I say my mother or it's a uh, it's an X on your bingo card. Have fun with it. I I go back and forth with myself about this because there isn't really any show where I don't bring up my mother. Um, and I know that people who dislike my approach or people who don't like me personally, um, this is their favorite thing to go off on. They like to say, you know, see how he projects. He thinks every woman is his mother. He thinks that um, everything he does is through the lens of his mother. He just has mommy issues and blah, blah, blah. I know what they say. You know, I bring it up because this really is what it's like. This is the connection between public behavior and private domestic and child abuse. This is the same psychology. I didn't know that I knew so much about this, but I learned decades of it at home. And now I see it in public. This is just like a person like my mother who chose to have children and then blamed her children for being a ball and chain, not allowing her to live their life. I mean, all the times that a person like my mother would say, you know, um, you kids don't see me as a as a full person and a human. You just see me as a mother. What the hell do you want us to see you as? She was telling that to us when we were still young, too. We weren't supposed to have a friendship relationship with her. That's what it is. It's fragile narcissism. It's posing. It's martyrdom. A um, couple more and we'll round this out. <laughs> I told you in the introduction to the show that we were going to talk about black narcissism. Here's what I mean by that. Black people in the United States today are a member of the sacred caste. They have a halo around their head. They can do no wrong. They are only ever victims. So we're not allowed to criticize them. Because they're sacred caste, there is now room for predators and narcissists. I'm not saying that black people are any more narcissistic than white people. They're not. But they get away with being narcissistic in public in a way that would probably draw more negative attention if it were a white person. Because we're not allowed to criticize black people. So let me give you some examples. Um, and this one coming up that I'm going to show you, this, uh, this tweet post, it's a reaction to... The uh, incident at the Oscars where Will Smith decked Chris Rock across the face. And and this tweet encapsulates so many things. It's got in-group narcissism, collective or communitarian narcissism, that is your tribe of people, in this case black people. Uh, it's got false – well, let me just show it to you. Uh, can we put this up on the screen from Shay Stewart Bully? Bully. She writes – Black emotions scare white people, that is quite clear. Y'all shook because you are used to seeing your favorite black people wear masks. Oh, stop being silly. The false implications that black people are disproportionately muzzled in masks. No, they're not. Everybody who's been a service worker has been disproportionately muzzled in masks, regardless of race. It's not a race thing. Um... And if white people like seeing their favorite black people as servants in masks, well, in my experience, they like seeing their servants in masks, regardless of what their skin color is. 
Remember that story I told a couple episodes ago when I was at Al's French Fries and I was talking to the guys behind the line cooking my food, asking them who was making them continue to wear masks when no one else was. They said it was the boss man and that people were complaining he was doing this because customers were complaining that they weren't wearing masks. This there's like 98 percent of people in Vermont are white. It's, it's one of the whitest states in the union. This has nothing to do with race. This is about seeing the people who wait on you and bring you your food as servants. And they have to have the servant symbol. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Oh, there was a great response to this um, mutual follower. He says to this woman, sounds like you're describing narcissists, but assuming all black people are narcissistic. Well, hmm. Does kind of sound like that, doesn't it? <laughs> and as an illustration of the creation of the sacred caste, here's one from my friend Holly. Uh, she sent this to me. It's, it, it, the first one I'm going to show you is a screen capture of a message that she wrote. And I want you to pay attention to the typography here. It says... I am of the opinion that black people are just as capable of not reacting with violence as white people. I believe black people to be fully equal moral agents in the world, entirely capable of self-control. Now take a look at it and you'll see that both instances of the word black are capitalized. That was sort of funny. I mean, I know they're doing that at the New York Times and everywhere else. Well, here's what Holly followed up with. (laughs) Quote, I dictated that tweet using Siri, Apple's digital assistant. <laughs> to me, I'm explaining things to people. <laughs> like, why are you explaining that? Everybody knows what Siri is. Because I'm old. <laughs> Let me start again. I dictated that tweet using Siri and just happened to glance at it to make sure that it was correct before hitting tweet. Siri now capitalizes black. Just amazing to me. Amazing to me too, Holly. All right. We're going to take a break. But before we do, a quick reminder, we could really use your support. Financial supporters to this show are very important to us as we try to grow and get it off the ground. So if you would please drop a few dollars in the tip jar at subscribestar.com disaffected or patreon.com disaffected, we would be very grateful. And when you do sign up, you get to come to our donor-only hangouts on Zoom that happen every month. All right, see you on the other side. You know how podcasters are always asking you to hit the subscribe button? Well, this is us asking you to take a minute right now and be sure you've hit subscribe on your favorite video platform. Click that notification bell too so you never miss our newest content. And don't forget to subscribe on audio too. We have audio only content that you won't find on any video platform, so don't miss out. Do you like Disaffected? Do you like it enough to help pay for it? We'd love to have your support to grow and maintain this show. Donors get special access to our monthly Zoom hangouts. They're off-camera and unscripted. We talk about what you want to talk about. There are two ways to join. Patreon users can go to patreon.com disaffected or visit subscribestar.com disaffected. Twitter didn't like our old account, so we made a new one. Follow at Disaffected P, that's Disaffected and the letter P, for show announcements and links. If you want our sass and snark, come see us on Getter at Disaffected Pod.
Welcome back. We've got a treat for you. I highly recommend, if you don't have one already, get yourself a notebook. You will want to take notes in this. We're going to take some time on a video that shows one of the best examples I've seen of the dynamics of a narcissistic abuser in a couple, a codependent spouse, and how that ordinarily private relationship and the dynamics there express themselves in public in a situation where somebody is making <clears throat> problems for someone else. So what we're going to what this is how it's going to work. We're going to play this entire video first. It's just over three minutes. It shows a conflict on an airplane. So for those of you who are listening who won't be able to see, this is filmed by a passenger who was harassed by the person that you will see and hear in this video. And I will, uh, I'll clarify a little bit of the money audio as it's going on, but don't worry about it if you don't hear everything. We're going to go back and we're going to break this down into segments after we watch it through, and I'm going to annotate each of these and talk about it so you are going to be able to understand uh, what was spoken, even if you didn't get it the first time around. So this is a, well, <laughs> that's enough setup. Let's just take a look and take a listen. She has called me names and insulted me just for sitting down the seat saying that I came here to celebrate. Passenger saying that uh, she's been harassing him. I'm going to get somebody, well, you don't have that right, so I will get somebody to come and talk. The woman doing the harassing was asking the flight attendant to move the person she was harassing. Now another staff member is asking this woman to get off the plane. She's refusing. I paid for this seat and I'm sitting in it. Staff members repeating that she needs to come voluntarily or she'll be escorted. Now she's throwing a pity party. My husband's mother died. Captain doesn't want her on the plane. She's not happy about that. She goes again. My husband lost his mother. How dare you throw me off the plane? Now her husband jumps in and is trying to managing her problems for her. Now 
Now she's demanding the staff have some respect for her. What if we trade seats and she quiets down? How would that be? Oh my God, this lady's going to get thrown off the flight. Please ask him again if we, if we settle down, if I can be okay. Now they're getting off the plane, and she's getting her last insults into the young man she harassed. Now she's sh saying shame on you to the other passengers. Ma'am, we're waiting on you. And they're all like, ma'am, we're waiting on you. <laughs> And the crowd cheers as she walks off the plane. Does this mean I get a whole road of myself? You're buying drinks. <laughs> All right. Let's go right back to it. I picked this. This video is a few years old. Uh, somewhere between... It's probably late 26, anywhere from 2016 to uh, before the pandemic. Nobody is wearing masks. It's a it's a fantastic illustration of a narcissistic abuser. And we're going to take it and I'm going to show you what you call each of these tactics and why I suspect she's doing it and why I suspect her enabling husband uh, is doing it and exactly what he's trying to accomplish. So. Kevin, can we go into uh, the first clip? We're just going to play these in about 30-second bouts, and then I'm going to come back and talk about them. She has called me names and insulted me just for sitting down in the seat saying that I came here to celebrate today. Is there going to be a problem? No, I would like for him to change seats with someone. No, I'm going to get somebody. Well, you don't have that right, so I will get somebody to come and talk. Look at her eyes. Do you believe in gravity? Did you know gravity is just a Okay. So here's what's going on. This is this is just wonderful because you're watching a narcissist try to have her way and she's being frustrated by people with boundaries and so she's decompensating. And that means that her usual methods, her usual defenses for keeping her together are falling apart. So right at the beginning, as this video starts, there's a young man sitting next to her. This is a woman who appears to be in her 60s. I think she and her husband are in her 60s. And uh, he's apparently a Trump supporter. I don't know how that was indicated. Might have been on a shirt. Might have been something else. And the first thing he says when the flight attendant comes over, uh, he says, she, this woman, has called me names and assaulted me. I didn't see the assault, but I've seen enough of this. I wouldn't be at all surprised if she put hands on him. Look at the boundaries that these flight attendants exercised. This was a master class in how you handle a person like this. In, well, in public, but maybe also in private, too. Um, she says, this lady who's harassing this young man, this liberal woman from Portland, because of course... She thinks she owns everything. She thinks she has the right to say absolutely anything she wants and that it is other people objecting to her behavior that is actually the problem. When the flight attendant comes over, she actually asks if they will move him, the young man she harassed. 
And then when that doesn't work, she says, he's in my, uh, uh, we'll get to the next one. <laughs> That's for the next one. So what's going on here? You are watching a narcissist. Let's use, let's use the constructs from that book, The Borderline Mother by Dr. Christine Lawson. She breaks the, although she breaks the affects and the methods into fairy tale categories. The witch, the waif, the queen, and the hermit. Now, this woman looks to me like a narcissist, but cluster B gonna cluster B, and I'm sure there's some overlap here, and these are as good terms and categories as any to use. This woman is becoming the witch, the angry witch. You can see it in her eyes. She turns to the young man again. She is the one who initiated the harassment of this young man who is merely sitting there and recording this on his phone. He's not, he's not making any facial expressions. He's not reacting, and she says... You pretend to have the moral high ground. She's angry at him because he voted for Trump. So you can hear the implied you people in this. You pretend to have the moral high ground. Classic reversal, classic narcissistic reversal and projection. She's talking about the emotions inside her. She believes she has the moral high ground. And she believes that her having the moral high ground entitles her to behave in any way she feels like behaving. And then she starts making fun of him. She gets up in his face and she starts doing air quotes with her fingers. Did you know gravity is just a theory? It's just a theory. <laughs> Look at her eyes when she said that. Those big, wide bug eyes. They indicate anger, but they're also an intimidation tactic. When you see somebody looking at you like this. Well, I'll tell you what I think I think of. Yes, mommy, what? That's what that is. And notice that she, she goes right to insult and heavy sarcasm. She's feeling outgunned. Let's take a look at the next clip. This is where she's being uh, told she's going to be escorted off the plane. Notice the man sitting next to her with his hand on his chest. Okay. I got to tell you guys, when I first saw this last week, <clears throat> I was actually shaken. Um, I'm over it now. I've watched it enough times. I found it upsetting. More upsetting than the average person would. I know the average person looking at it would be like, oh, who is this crazy lady? It got my heart going like this. Boom, 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 boom. Because that's my mother. This is my mother you're looking at. The only difference is my mother's more down market. This lady looks like she's got a comfortable uh, middle to upper middle class income and the clothes that go along with it. She's your typical Portland NPR listener. But this is my mother. This is the kind of scene that my mother would make in public. This is the way that she would drag her other family members into it. I didn't realize until I was partway through that the man sitting next to her, he's got his hand on his chest. It looks like he's having heartburn or he's feeling heart palpitation or is, or is having chest pain. That's her husband. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> and when the flight attendant tells her that she's going to have to leave the plane, she says, no. No. It's just like watching an angry little girl. She sets her jaw and clenches it 
and she gets that defiant no. This is, it, my guess here, having seen this, I think there's some age regression going on. I think she is mentally going back in her mind to a time when she was a little girl and maybe she did feel threatened. This is speculation. It's informed speculation. I have personal experience with this kind of person, and I know about the psychological dynamics. I can't know what's actually inside her head, but this would be extremely typical. Uh, we'll see examples of age regression in a couple of the other clips, too. And Right at the end, she says, again, about the young man that she is harassing, she says, he is in my space. My space? He's in the seat he paid for. This is lying and it's entitlement. Entitlement is the word to keep in your head over here. This woman walks through her life believing that she is entitled to anything she wants. And you know what I think she meant when she said he's in my space? She wanted to call him fat. She stopped herself, but that's what she wanted to say. That's what she means. He's so fat, he's in my space. Let's go to the next clip. Flight attendant's telling her the captain decided she's off the plane. She's saying, I'm going home to attend my mother-in-law's funeral. Couple of things to notice there. She is offloading all of the responsibility for her behavior onto external circumstances and other people. Her husband is a dumping ground for her. Did you hear it? She said it several times. Well, I'm going to point out the first one she said, and I'll do it how she did it. My mother-in-law, his mother just died. You know, it reminds me of a lyric from Evita when Juan and Ava Perone are plotting on how they're going to use uh, labor unrest um, uh, to take government power. And Ava Perone sings to her husband, Will, you'll be handed power on a plate. <laughs> That's exactly what she did. My mother, his mother just died. He's not asking for attention. She's using him to get away with this and saying to the flight attendant, have some respect. <laughs> Have some respect. And I also think she realizes that she's not winning this. She's starting to cycle through different affects, different emotional stances. What she's doing is she's trying them out and strategizing. So she goes from the imperious witch or queen with the big bug eyes to the supplicant, the waif. She changes the tone of her voice and she changes her body language. She switches to the waif affect. I'm going home to a funeral. Mm -mm -mm. Next clip. I want you to watch her. Watch how her shoulders tense and her breathing increases. What if we trade seats and she quiets down? How would that be? Oh my God, this lady's going to get thrown off the plate. 
Okay. Ugh. That whole have some respect. My husband's mother just died. What does that have to do with your behavior, madam? How does that justify your behavior? This remind it, it really does remind me of my mother. The entitlement, the respect me. I've told the story. If you're interested in, in what this looks like at home, go back to our two-parter, Over the Borderline, parts one and two from earlier uh, in 2020. And I go through this from a child's point of view. But this is very like the story I told in that episode where my mother would push me down on my knees in the dining room when she was screaming at me. And she decided that her children didn't respect her enough. And she would literally say, humble yourself before me, God damn you. You will respect me. You will respect me. That's what this woman is doing. And her husband here, classic enabling, henpecked, codependent spouse. This is the kind of man that my mother has now. Somebody that I guarantee you at home, she is abusing him this bad verbally and much worse. And there may be physical escalation. I don't know this but it would not at all surprise me. But you can tell this guy is taking on, his role is to clean up her messes, to shovel her shit out of the way. So you notice he says, what if we changed seats? And she quiets down. What if we changed Oh, Actually, there's another example that's even better I'm going to tell you about. But again, great boundaries from the staff. This is how you do it. Whether you encounter this in public or you encounter it at home, they do not indulge any of her nonsense. It's it's a simple no, but they keep a calm tone of voice. They don't escalate, and they don't match her emotional histrionics. They have been very well trained. Let's go to the next clip. Please ask him again if we, if we settle down. Does that going to be okay? Okay, so there's several things to point out here. Notice when the husband says, please ask him, that is the captain, please ask him again if we settle down, we can stay on here. We? He didn't do anything. He's been doing this for decades. You are watching somebody who has been trained to be a flying monkey and an enforcer and a scapegoat for decades. He knows what she's like. But he's decided to take this on. This is the life he's chosen for himself. It's the life that my mother's husband has chosen for himself. I don't know this guy. I don't know this woman either. But let me tell you something. I, 
you may have some mixed emotional reactions when you look at this situation. And part of me feels sympathy for him, feels bad for him. And another part of me doesn't at all, because I'm absolutely sure he's been putting up with this for at least 30 years. He seems very mild-mannered, but if he's anything like my mother's husband, he might be very vicious in other circumstances. When my mother was physically threatening her husband and bragging about it to my sister, threatening to hit him in the head with a frying pan, uh, bragging about actually having thrown a frying pan at him and putting a hole in the wall, I got really worried. My sister and I said, you know, we, we need to see if we can help him. And I called him and said, I know what she's doing to you. I'm worried for you. Um, we can help you get out of this if you want. He absolutely turned on me. He went from mild manner, just like you see this gentleman in the video, uh, that that affect, that, you know, head down, hand on the heart, kind of like a turtle trying to get back into a shell. That's my mother's husband. And he got vicious and he turned and he said, you're crazy, me, Josh, I'm crazy. I'm a narcissist. Your mother isn't abusing me. You're abusing your mother. And when I said to him, why do you think you deserve what she does to you? He said, well, because she's not going to take any of my shit anymore. I can't explain it any better than that. <laughs> and did you see how she talked to the that young man that she'd been harassing as she finally got her stuff up and got off the plane? She goes to him and she said, shame on you, shame on you. And notice her body language. She lunged at him like a cobra. She went like this. Shame on you. It's like a snake striking. I've seen a lot of people with this kind of personality structure do this behavior. My mother's done this behavior. And if she could get away with sinking her fangs into him, she would. And then she turns around and she looks at the other passengers because nobody was supporting her because she was being an absolute freaking bitch. And she says to all of them, shame on you, shame on you. It, it is so uncannily reminiscent of my mother. Here's my speculation about what's going on with her. She's age regressing again. She's getting into a, she's got, she's in a shame cycle. My speculation, this is a regression to a time when she was a girl where she was told that something she was doing was shameful where she was inappropriately shamed, probably by an abusive parent. And she internalized that. And underneath all of this bravado, no moral excuse for her. She's a terrible person. I don't need to see more than this to know she is a terrible person. But she got that way for a reason. And shame, fear and shame, live at the core of her broken personality. And the only way that she can deal with it is to externalize it and say that other people are acting in a shameful way because she can't be shameful. And if my guess about the origin of that is correct, it comes from being shamed by a parent when she shouldn't have been for something that wasn't her fault or that any normal kid did, and I'm sure it happened repeatedly. One situation like this does not abuse constitute. This had to be constant in her home. And it's a terrible feeling to be a child and to be shamed that way and told that there's something fundamentally broken about you when your parent does it. This is a, what she's doing as a defense mechanism. She, she is afraid that that shame 
says something real about her. She can't handle that. She doesn't have the strength, the strength of ego to handle being wrong without feeling dirty and shameful. And so she has to project it onto other people. Um, that's your real world lesson in cluster B dynamics, cluster B in couples and cluster B in public. You know what else you, we call people like this? That's a Karen. It's a particularly nasty Karen. But that's, that's the Karen stereotype. It's not a stereotype about women. It's a stereotype about narcissists, narcissistic women. Of course, the vast majority of women don't act like this. The vast majority of women aren't Karens. This one is. I hope you found that titillating and enlightening. And once again, thank you very much. Join us again next week. For more conversation on the dark and disordered psychology that shapes today's cultural and political left, subscribe to our weekly audio podcast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and virtually anywhere else you get your podcasts. Let's learn to recognize these dynamics and call them what they are. Subscribe to Disaffected to learn how to break the spell. Do you like Disaffected? Do you like it enough to help pay for it? We'd love to have your support to grow and maintain this show. Donors get special access to our monthly Zoom hangouts. They're off-camera and unscripted. We talk about what you want to talk about. There are two ways to join. Patreon users can go to patreon.com disaffected or visit subscribestar.com disaffected.